there's something special about Redcliffe, isn't there? You have been pillars for so many years of uh, what God has been doing and uh, your best days lie ahead. I'm, I'm already worn out just watching, uh, watching Jess worship lead. My good, I remember the days when I could move like that during worship. And then I pulled a muscle here and pulled a muscle there. Now I'm one of those people who worship just doing this. <laughs> and if you're sort of in the back seats and looking at the front, it looks like I'm jumping. My jumping days are long gone. It's got to be a very powerful move of God for me to jump. <laughs> But it's wonderful to be with you. And I have a, uh, I've got a very, very uh, simple word to bring to you this morning. Uh, but I love the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. Uh, just bringing that word regarding breakthrough that you, maybe you're waiting for breakthrough. And, uh, and I believe that this is a word for anyone this morning that's waiting for a breakthrough right now. Uh, or that at some stage in our walk, our spiritual walk, we're going to find ourselves in the waiting room of God. And I don't know about you, but I'm never comfortable in waiting rooms. Whether it's the dentist, whether it's doctor, whether it, wherever, I do not like the waiting room. Because I don't know about you, but I've discovered a waiting room never runs on time. You can have the appointment, and I, if you're like me, I roll up early for the appointment, and then I watch the clock. And the longer it goes past my appointment time, I feel like saying, every minute that goes over, I'm going to deduct from the fee I'm going to make sure you pay me for my time because you're wasting my time right now but uh, they've never let me do that it's, it's never ever happened but here, here's the title of my message today it's simply called just keep turning up just keep turning up now you might say that's not very faith-filled Aren't we the ones who've got to say, come on, only believe and you'll see the glory of God. Push through. You'll see the miracle. And I believe that. But I also believe there are times when no matter what's going on, we just need to keep turning up. Now, here's the thing. It's so simple. I need you to help me preach this message this morning. So I'm going to do what I, 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 I recommend no pastor ever does. I'm going to actually cause division in the house today. I'm going to split the church right in two. You are the left side, my left side, your right side, you are the right side. I'm going to ask you to preach this message with me. So every time you hear me, just when I say, just keep, you're going to jump in there and finish the sentence with me. Just keep turning up are you wait a minute my god redcliffe is sharp pastor red ship is clear. on the left we've got practice a few times you ready just keep that wasn't too bad we can do better just very good on the, my, my right side just just all together now just fantastic when nothing is going right just <laughs> when it seems like everyone else is getting their miracle except you. Just <laughs> when things are getting worse rather than better. Just when the word of the Lord that has been birthed in your heart isn't being manifest in your world yet. Just when everybody else is walking away, 
Just when the devil is messing with your mind and confusing you, discouraging you and telling you to walk away. Just it's one of the most powerful keys to inherit the promise, to stand your ground until you see the breakthrough. Just it's an incredibly important, important principle because the world has gone soft on turning up. The generation that we live in now, the spirit of the world right now, is not all about just keep turning up. It's about if you're not having your needs met, just walk away. You know, if that relationship is getting too difficult, you're not having your emotional needs met, <laughs> walk away. If you're not being recognized, valued in the work that you've got, just walk away. If the pastor does something that you don't like or Sister Bertha or Brother Bob offends you, just walk away. The world's gone soft on turning up. But God actually looks at you and I and says, no, 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 I'm calling my people to be a people of faith. I'm calling my people to be a people of persistence. I'm calling my people to stand firm and never to give up, but just keep. Now, the principle that's so important behind this is to understand that we may not be able to control God's timing. But we can control our positioning. So we must never fall into the trap of prescribing to God how he must do something and when he must do something. We can let our requests be made known, but we can never actually prescribe to God. All we can do is position ourselves. So I want to look quickly at a passage this morning uh, of somebody that I look at as a hero who just kept turning up. And then one day, his miracle came. And you and I are beneficiaries of that faith and beneficiaries of that miracle. It's in Luke chapter 1. And we're going to find the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, who turned out to be the parents of John the Baptist. But let's pray before we open up the Word of God this morning. Father, we thank you so much that you are here. Lord, you said whenever we gather together, God, that you are right there in the midst. And I pray this morning, Holy Spirit, that God, as we have worshipped and God, as we've come into this place in a spirit of unity, I thank you, God, Lord, for every man, every woman. I thank you that you know every detail of our lives. You know the journey that we are on. And I thank you this morning that, God, as we come to your word, Holy Spirit, let your word live. Let it not tickle our intellect. Let it not stir our emotions. But, God, let it live. And according to your promise, let faith rise in every heart, I pray, in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Here we go. Luke chapter 1, we're going to read from verse 5. It says, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly but everyone say but But. (laughs) they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive and they were both very old now just hit pause for a moment I want us to understand principle in here these were good people 
the word is actually very detailed here describing you know, the, their background. These were good people, righteous people. There was no fault. There was no error in this couple. Can I encourage you today that if you are still waiting for your breakthrough, don't allow, allow the lies of the enemy to get into your spirit that would try and convince you that it's because you are the problem. Can I tell you, if you are the problem, God will let you know. <laughs> He's good like that. <laughs> but that's called conviction. What the enemy will often try and do is try and bring condemnation, try and bring confusion, try and bring depression, and saying the reason you haven't got your breakthrough is because you are not good enough, because you blew this, because you blew that. But these were good people, honest people, righteous people, blessed people, but they were still in the waiting room of God. And isn't it interesting, I've discovered, oftentimes the longer you have to wait, the bigger the promise that is coming your way. They have waited for years and years and years. And who were they waiting for? John the Baptist. Come on. So if you're waiting for a breakthrough and it's gone a long, long time, your breakthrough is going to be pretty awesome. You're going to be pretty blown away when God delivers the promise that he's placed in your heart. And here's the thing again. We cannot control God, but we can control our positioning. But here's another principle we see already. Never, ever let your circumstance dictate your faith. In the natural, everything was against this couple. Year after year after year after year after year, they weren't just old, they were very old. I love the specificity of the Word of God. I may be old, but I'm not very old. I may take a little bit longer in the bathroom trying to look good nowadays, but I'm not very old. I'm just old. Hallelujah. Can anyone say amen? Come on. All the circumstances were against them. Don't be fooled by your circumstance. Our God is the God of the impossible. And so we don't look to our circumstances. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. When the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled, was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Here it is now. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Boom. In a moment of time, after all of those years, angel rocks up. Totally unexpected. What I love about this story is it was completely unexpected. Zachariah had no idea that was the day. On his calendar, it was just another day. He just rocked up for Judy. He just rocked up for duty. It fell his way. So he went serving. Just another day on his calendar. But in the calendar of heaven, go with my imagination. I don't know whether it's biblical. But in the calendar of heaven, I think there was a big cross marked on that day. And I think all the angels had been looking at that saying, it's coming. It's coming. Only a week to go now. Only five days. Three days. Today's the day. We're going down. Send the angel today. It was a total surprise. He had no idea. Our God refuses to be put in boxes. 
our God works on his timetable. He's the God of surprises. If you, if you do a study, Old Testament, New Testament, he often moved in ways where people just simply were not expecting it. And I could spend all day today just looking at the examples where the God of God, the, our God is a God of surprises. But just, just think of Mary, a godly, single Jewish girl who was obviously believing and praying for the coming of the Messiah. But I guarantee she wasn't expecting it the way it came. <laughs> She's never been with a guy. And then suddenly the angel just turns up and says, Mary, good news. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a surprise. I think Joseph was surprised. I think everybody was surprised. God refuses to be put in boxes. He answers prayers in ways that we are often not expecting. Thinking about the lame man at the pool in John chapter 5. Here he is. The Bible says that for 38 years, he's been dragging himself to the edge of the pool, hoping that he'll be the first one in, because apparently if you were the first in, there's a chance you are going to get healed. But for 38 years, he never got there. Now, don't tell me he wasn't praying. Don't tell me he didn't have faith. Every day he'd be saying, oh God, let today be my day. Oh God, let today be my day. Oh God, let me. 38 years and then one day Jesus rocks up. (laughs) And boom, I'm telling you, he didn't know it was going to be that day, but it was that day. God knew. I'm telling you, God always has an X marked in the calendar when he decides this when the breakthrough is coming. Think about Martha and Mary and Lazarus. I mean, Mary and Martha, they send news to Jesus. They send word to Jesus. Lazarus dying. He's your friend. We're close, remember? Quick, come back. If you pray, he'll be healed. He won't have to die. What happens? Gets word to Jesus. Jesus says, no, not today. Keeps on moving. Lazarus dies. Three days later, Jesus rocks up. And what does he get from the girls? If only you'd come. If only you'd come. If only you'd come. If only you'd come. You ever prayed like that? Hmm? Huh? Have you ever said that, thought that? Oh, God, if only you'd come, if only you'd sent the money, if only you'd done this, if only you'd done that. And Jesus said, don't worry about it. <laughs> and what does he do? He stands there, Lazarus. I think the most surprised one would have been Lazarus. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know where he was. I don't know what he was doing. But wherever he was and whatever he's doing, he hears his name. I don't think he was expecting that. On and on and on. The God of surprises. Think about the day of Pentecost. Jesus says to the disciples, just wait in Jerusalem. Well, how long for? Oh, it doesn't matter. Just wait. Well, what's going to happen? He says, don't worry about the details. I'm going to send the Holy Ghost. Yeah, but what's it going to look like? What's it going to feel like? Well, how long do we have to do this? I'm t- and 10 days. All they, all they had was just wait together in Jerusalem. And so they just waited. Day 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4. I wonder how many wandered away. But they were there faithful, and when God decided today is the day, boom, the Holy Ghost falls, and we have never, ever been the same again. The world has never, ever. God is the God of surprises. And we can accept that theologically. You walk away, and we can say, yes, pastor, that's good preaching. I can see that. I can understand that. But we struggle with that because we are in the world of the instant. And we'd like to think we're not affected by it, but we are. I know I am. I suffer from that syndrome. I have to fight that syndrome. I like a good coffee. And I know exactly where to get a good coffee. We have a few little coffee spots around where we live. And I'm telling you, mm, mm. And we go out, we jump. But I'm telling Sally, back back this up. If I go to my favorite coffee spot searching for the coffee that I love and there's a queue, I'll walk away. (laughs) I will. I will go down to Dodgy Bob. (laughs) 
two blocks away where there's no queue and risk getting a really bad coffee because I don't like waiting for my coffee. Talk to my wife. She'll tell you it's true. We do a lot more travel now than we used to do, which means sometimes I'm away, sometimes Sally's away. And uh, most times I'm pretty good and I'll still do a good diet. I'll cook for myself and I'll get fresh veggie. But every now and again I run out. This happened just recently. So I went to the supermarket. I did what you would never confess to do. I bought one of those instant meals. And now I didn't get the cheapie. I went top shelf and I got the stuff that claimed that, you know, weight loss one. It lied. It lied. <laughs> it lied. But you know, on those boxes, it has instructions of how you can cook the thing, prepare the thing. And you can preheat the oven to 200 degrees. And then you can pop it in and you can pop it in for about nine minutes and then take it out and do something to it, pop it back in. And so it means probably about half an hour later, you'll get to eat your meal. Uh, But the pastry will be nice and crisp. Everything else won't be sort of just soft mush. Uh, It'll be much, much better. But the other option is what? Put it in the microwave. Four minutes, it's on the plate. Come on. Which option did I go for? The sloppy one. Four minutes. Because we are in a hurry. But if we're not careful, we let that sneak into our spiritual expectation. We let that sneak into what we think, how we think God should operate. We start thinking that if we pray loud enough, long enough, if we add a little fasting, we'll get our breakthrough now. We start thinking that, well, every time we come to the altar and somebody lays hands on us, anoints us with oil and prays a prayer of faith, we'll get our breakthrough now. We start thinking things like, well, I started tithing last week. (laughs) I'll get my finance. I'll get my bonus next week. You start thinking things like, "Mm, I started serving last month. I should be on the leadership team next month. (laughs) And we place an instant expectation on God. But the reality is we can't prescribe. We can only position. What I felt God speaking to my heart over recent weeks is that We need to just keep, number one, to the place of prayer. To the place of prayer. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled, was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. You know, long before the angel turned up, Zechariah and Elizabeth had been praying. They had been laying a foundation of prayer. And I love the way the angel says, hey, your prayer has been heard. He didn't say, hey, your prayer has just come in. Like, I'm sorry, but the network's been down. I know you've been praying for a long time, but the request went to a trainee angel. He put it in the wrong file. And it just went missing, but we just found it today. And so today, we can, no, no, he said, today, he said, your prayer has been heard. Can I encourage somebody here this morning? You need to be here from the word of the Lord this morning. Your prayer has been heard. You've been praying for that marriage. You've been praying for those children. You've been praying for work. You've been praying for healing. You've been praying for, for release, for deliverance. Your prayer has been heard. It may seem like heaven is silent. It may seem like circumstances haven't changed yet. But your prayer has been heard. We need a conviction that every time we come into the throne room, God is listening. God is listening. You know, COVID messed our world up in Melbourne unbelievably. 
We are the lockdown capital of the world. We endured more lockdown than anyone else on the planet and it messed with our world. We couldn't go out. We couldn't meet together. We couldn't worship together. We couldn't pray together. I got a conviction early on in, uh, in our COVID lockdown that, well, I can't go anywhere. I can't be with other people, but I can pray. I've got more time now to pray than I've ever had before. And so I set up, I went old school, Pastor. I went old school and I started to write a list. And I would pray on a Monday, I would pray for our immediate family. On a Tuesday, I'd pray for extended family and friends. On a Wednesday, I'd start to pray for all the churches and ministry connections that I have in Victoria. In the, uh, the next day, I'd start to pray for churches around Australia. I've been praying for Pastor Mark, praying for Pastor Nina, praying for your campuses, praying for Emerge Church. And then I'd go on and on each day differently. And I want to tell you, for the, it was just incredible. I would get down on my knees by, the, by my chair. I'd put a blanket down so I can put my old knees, not very old knees, but my old knees down on a blanket. I would have my list on the chair and I would be, and I'm telling you, it was awesome. Oh God, I pray for breaks. Oh God, I pray. For, and I'd work through my list. And I want to tell you, it was awesome for the first week. <laughs> After the first week, I'm thinking, God, are you listening? Because <laughs> I'm not hearing any feedback. I'm not getting people ringing up saying, I've just had a miracle. Have you been praying? Like, I didn't get any feedback. I, I didn't have angels come into the room. I didn't get goosebumps. I didn't get anything like that. And I start to think to myself, God, like, am I just being religious? Am I just following a list? Like, God, what's going on? And my morning devotional reading that morning as I started to get a little bit of doubt sneaking into my prayer was Matthew 6, 5 and 6. Listen, when you pray, Jesus speaking, don't be like the hypocrites for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But listen what Jesus says. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door. And pray to your Father who is unseen. And then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. I'm telling you, in these days, God is looking for closed door prayer warriors. God is looking for you and I not to be dictated by circumstances, not to be discouraged by delay, but to understand that every time we call out to him, he hears our prayer. It is registered. Doesn't matter whether you get the goosebumps. Doesn't matter whether angels come and visit. The moment we lift up our voice in prayer, the moment we just keep to the place of prayer, it's registered in heaven. And there is a cross placed in the calendar of heaven somewhere, someday, that God chooses. We have to have that conviction. God hears our prayer, but also a conviction that God is looking for us to persevere in prayer. You see that I've heard people say, look, I prayed about that once. I'm leaving it with God. And I understand that. I under, it's registered. God's heard it. But there's also teachings where Jesus comes and says, listen, I say to you, ask and it will be given. Seek, you will knock. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. So the one who knocks, the door will be opened. And we read that and think, yeah, okay, knock once, seek once, push once, whatever. But if we go back further into the language, it's actually saying, no, 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 keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. In other words, Jesus is saying, listen, church, listen, believer, listen, mother, listen, father, wife, husband, young person, who's ever believing for a breakthrough. Just 
to the place of prayer. Not with conditions, not with demands, but with requests with a thankful heart saying, God, I know that you hear my prayer and I know that you're good and I know that you're faithful and I know that I heard the whisper of the Holy Spirit. So I'm thanking you and I'm believing you and I'm reminding myself my breakthrough is on its way. We just to the place of prayer and we just to the house of God. To the house of God. And, And I don't mean religiously. And I don't even mean just let's rock up to church and worship. I mean, let's keep turning up to the house of God with a spirit that says, I want to serve. I want to be part of the answer. I believe there are two significant decisions we make in our lives. One is we surrender to Christ. And we lock ourselves into a healthy local church and we say, this is my church. I don't just go to a church. (laughs) No, 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 I have a church. I have my church. That's what I love about the spirit of Redcliffe. This is your church. You don't say, oh, yeah, I go to a church. You say, no, 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 I go to Redcliffe. I go to a, that's my church. Who should talk about my church? My church is awesome. We make a decision. We love God. We love the local church. But then there's another decision we make that says, I don't come just to fill a pew. I don't come just to worship God. I don't come just to build great relationships. I actually come, I want to be part of the team. I want to be part of the answer. Don't ask me just to sit and be blessed. I want to be a blessing. I can remember the day I made that decision as a new believer. In a fired up, on fire Pentecostal church, so many people doing so many things. I come in as a new believer sitting in the middle thinking my life's messed up. I've got so many needs. I need to be blessed. But then God speaks to me and says, why don't you actually start to be part of the answer? Why don't you put your hand up and say, hey, where can I serve? Can I serve somewhere? Who are the real heroes of the church? The servers. Not just the platform people. I mean, we look at the platform people, they're doing, no, 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 no. It's the heroes, the heroes of the church are those who serve, seen or unseen. Who serve either on the platform, in the room or outside the room. You're the heroes. And I felt as I was praying this morning, I need to say to someone here at Redcliffe, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I say it on behalf of Pastor Mark, Pastor Nina. Say it on behalf of the Holy Ghost this morning. Thank you. You have served faithfully for years. You have sowed faithfully for years. And what I love about Zachariah, he just kept turning up. He didn't get jaded. He didn't get cynical. He didn't get tired. He didn't sit back and say, oh, let the young people do it. (laughs) He He didn't get disillusioned. He kept turning up. We need to keep turning up to the house of God with a spirit to serve because, listen, when we serve, the body prospers. When we serve, when every part of the body starts to function, the body can do amazing things. So many people I know, I often hear say, I just want to be part of a healthy local church. I say, do you? Or do you just want to be carried by a healthy local church? Big difference. Sit in a healthy local church, have your kids looked after, have your needs looked after, great worship. Or do you actually want to be part of a healthy local church? A few years ago, I broke my finger and uh, I, was, I was a man. And I said, yeah, I heard the snap and it looks a bit wonky, but I don't need to go to a doctor. My wife said, you should get that looked at. I said, no, nah, no, nah, it'll be right. She'll be right. Well, it wasn't right. <laughs> 
And today, my little finger is distorted and twisted and swollen, and it doesn't work properly. And you might think, it's just a little finger. I'm telling you, when your little finger doesn't work properly and sticks out the side, it's actually a hindrance. It's a hindrance. Can I tell you, for you, you might sit there. I know people who sit there in church and say, well, what difference does it make if I serve or don't serve? You might think, I'm so insignificant. I, I, it wouldn't matter. No, no, it matters. We are designed, it'd be like, we're designed to be family. And if you've been part of a family, and you know if you've got a brother or sister or mother or dad who's not playing their part in the family, the whole family is affected. You sit down for dinner, one of them's not talking, one of them's sulking. It affects everyone at the table. It affects everyone. Somebody's not doing the housework. Somebody's not doing the washer. You know, it doesn't. Yes, it does. And it's the same in the local church. And I want to say, you know, globally, there is a season across the church. They, they call this season globally uh, the, the great resignation, where, where people have actually looked at their lives post-COVID and they've said, you know what? I don't think I want to work that hard anymore. I don't think I want to be that committed anymore. I don't think I want that job anymore. Can I say, thank God that spirit is not in this church. And can I encourage you, never let that spirit get into your heart. Be the ones who keep saying, no, 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 no. I'm going to carry the same spirit of Zechariah. I'm going to keep and serving in the house of God. Because when we all serve, the church is stronger. When we all serve, you are healthier and happier than anybody else. I'm telling you, find a volunteer who's working in the life of the church and you'll find a happy believer. Find someone who's just coming to be blessed. Hmm. But I'll tell you something else about a servant heart. It attracts the favor of God like nothing else. Some people, what's the secret for breakthrough? Yep, it's prayer. Yes, it's faith. Yes, it's confession. Yes, it's all of those things. But it's also a servant's heart. Going to invite the musicians to come because Pastor Mark's getting nervous because we're going to jump in the car and go and preach at another campus. And he said to me at least at least a hundred times this morning. Now, what time do you need to get off the platform? What time do you need to get off the? So he's nervous right now. His 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 legs are going like this. He's got his water bottle. He's shaking like this. But we're going to do it this morning. We're going to do it. So the title of my message this morning is a very very simple one. It's just. Because when we just keep turning up, it may not guarantee that we get the answer that we're desperate for. It certainly may not guarantee that we get the answer in the timing. But what it does do is lay a foundation that establishes the right balance in our heart. It puts us in the company of people like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, who when they were going to be thrown into the fire because they refused to worship a false god, made the declaration that many of us know. They said, hey, we, we know that our God is able. He's able to keep us from the fire. He's able to save us in the fire. In other words, we know our God is the God of the miraculous. Our God is the God of the breakthrough. But then they looked at the king and they said, hey, but even if he does not, we will not bow down. And I feel so many times in our lives, we've got to be able to come and just keep turning up and saying, God, you know what I'm believing for. You know I'm believing for healing. I'm believing for salvation. I'm believing for my breakthrough. But even if I don't get my miracle, you're still worthy. You're still worthy. 
you're still worthy because you saved my soul. You're still worthy because of every good and perfect gift comes from heaven. We are breathing air because of the grace of God. And so whether we get our miracle, whether we get our breakthrough or not, is secondary to the wonder of who God is in our lives. And every time we turn up, we're making that declaration. But I'm telling you, every time we turn up, we're also positioning ourselves keeping the door wide open because for all we know, today is the day that is marked in heaven and the angel is on his way. And before today is done, that angel can rock up. Say, hey, your prayer's been heard and your miracle is on its way. Would you stand to your feet? Let me pray for you. 